So good to see you all here. So we actually are going to be in the book of Philippians this morning. Uh, Philippians chapter 4 is where we'll be. I wanted to start off in that when you read about First Timothy, um, just chapter five and verse seventeen. You don't have to turn there, but I just wanted to kind of as a way to help us to focus on what the message is going to be about today. But in verse seventeen of chapter five, I'll just read it again. It says, "Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine." talking about the pastor or the ministers of the church, that they that rule well be counted of double honor. It's something that I kind of wanted us to focus on and kind of get our minds on today. I know Pastor Rob is not here, so I can talk about him, so to speak. (laughs) But for a man of God and for those men that are in the pulpit, we need to remember to give them the honor that they deserve. And, you know, Many people talk about the idea sometimes it's financial, and it's not always a financial situation. You know, you can provide all the money that maybe they need, but we need to be there for support for them. You know, for him, his wife, and his family, providing support in whatever need we can. Sometimes that's in prayer, and he may never know that we're praying for him. And other times it may be that we do share with him that we are praying for you and your family. And I think that's something important for those that are involved in the ministry. So I'm saying that because actually as we go into Philippians, what I would like to focus on today is remember now missionaries as well. That we talk about our pastor, and our pastor is always before us every, every week. But sometimes those that are on the mission fields, we may sometimes forget about because we don't see them. You know, or we don't, you know, sometimes we have missionary letters back there on the wall, but sometimes in maybe our haste and rush of things that are going on, we don't take time to read their letters or maybe to find out their needs or to find out the blessings that they're experiencing on the mission field. So as we start here today, you know, in Philippians, I actually want to start in chapter 4, and in chapter 4, starting in verse 8, basically through the end of the chapter. So as we start off in verse 8, Finally, my brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, If there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in want of, in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know now, I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Notwithstanding, you have well done, 
that you did communicate with my affliction. Now, now ye Philippians, know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica you sent once and again unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. For I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Ephroditus the things which you sent from you, an odor of sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. But my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now unto God and our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Salute every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren which are with me greet you. All the saints salute you, chiefly they that are of Caesar's household. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Let's open up in prayer. Lord, we thank you so much for this day that we have, and we ask that as we take time in the scriptures, you would bless us, Lord, and through the working of the Holy Spirit to help us to truly understand this account. That, Lord, that we take a look at ourselves to make sure that we are doing what you have called us to do, Lord. And we would ask this, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. So as we start off here, you know, this is Paul that wrote this letter to the to the church in Philippi. And as he starts off, one of the things I started in verse 8, you know, first of all, is helping us with our mindset, our thought process, is the idea of things that we should be thinking about, that we should think upon. And the idea that he's talking about things that are true. You know, interesting that we start off with this, because in Sunday school, one of the things we've been talking about is in First Timothy, we're going through the book, of First Timothy. And in going through the book of First Timothy, the theme has been, where is our church going? Where are we going as a church? What are we doing as a church? And this morning's topic was on the idea that we need to defend the truth, the word of God, because the enemy is going to try to destroy it any way he can. He's going to try to distract us, try to get us off kilter, and if at all possible, get us to stop serving God. And then he'll even work with people on the outside to try to discourage us. So it takes our focus on presenting the gospel. So here we find that as, we, as Paul has penned this passage of scripture, you know, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are pure and lovely, and a good report. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. So our thought process, our mind, as we go about day to day, should be thinking about these things. Honesty, the pureness of heart. And in that process, as we're serving God, the virtue, you know, the truth of God. We find here that, you know, this is kind of, when you start to think about it, these are some of the basics of a Christian life, the things that we focus on, a Christian character, that we think upon these things. And in verse 9, he says, those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. One of the things that Paul is just re-emphasizing here is the idea that, remember, 
These are things that we have been taught, things that we've learned over the years. There's a lifestyle for us to walk and to live. He says, those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me. There's action here. Do. It's a very big word. Two letters. Do. We are to do what God has called us to do. What has God has laid upon our hearts. And that's why it's so important to be in the word of God. To be studying the word of God. To be here in fellowship in the word of God. To allow the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. Because if we do that, the promise is the peace of God is going to be with us. There are so many people out there in today's world that is in their heart, their life is in turmoil. They do not have the peace of God. It's our responsibility to present the gospel to bring that peace to them. You know, and, you know, we need to do a self-evaluation. You know, it's like uh, we have a life of peace ourselves. And if not, why not? Are we doing what God has laid upon us to do? We find here that as Paul has penned this, you know, it's this little bit of affirmation that, you know, he honestly, I believe honestly, the church of Philippi is living this. It's more so just reiterating to them something that they already know, something that they're already doing. Because as we go to the next step here, he says, but I greatly rejoiced in the Lord I, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. And this is where I say that he is just reiterating to them because Paul, a missionary, here he is giving them praise because he says, I rejoiced and I greatly rejoice because of your care for me. One of the first things that we need to remember with missionaries, with our pastor, is how to care for them. Paul is writing this in the idea that there needs to be, we need to care for them. We need to care for our missionaries. We need to be able to care for our pastor and his family. And in that process, that care that we have to present, sometimes it may be difficult. We find here that in verse 10, that Paul says, your care of me hath flourished again. And in a sense, it kind of gives you that moment, just introduction, that somewhere along the line, it stopped. And as we go on, it says, not only did it flourish again, wherein you're also careful, but you lacked opportunity. You see, sometimes they wanted to. There was a desire. When we care for somebody, there's a desire to be, to do something for that individual, to take some form of action. And when we see this, it's that desire to support Paul in the ministry. This is what the Church of Philippi did. They wanted to support Paul in the ministry, wherever his endeavors were at. And he says here, you know, the idea that we need to, as long as we think upon these things that were previously mentioned, to do the work of God, and as we are active to do the work of God, we actually help meet the needs of our missionaries. Part of meeting the needs of their missionaries is, and we see here, says that idea that they lacked opportunity. Almost like, okay, if trouble comes, if there's a struggle, if there's a circumstance that seems to stop us from doing what we need to do, don't quit. Don't give up. 
that's something that each one of us needs to apply to our lives. There are going to be difficult circumstances for us. You know, and sometimes it's going to be a struggle with some things. But we don't quit. Don't give up. Keep the faith. Part of that missionary, part of caring for our missionaries, is sometimes it may be a struggle. That caring may be the idea of, a, you know, we quickly, I think, honestly, one of the first things we think about is a financial support. And we do that. We have missionaries, a list of missionaries, and our telephone directory in the back of all the ones that we support. But, you know, financial support is not the only thing. There needs to be time of prayer. There needs to keep them lifted up. Find out what their needs are. They'll say in their missionary letters. A lot of our missionaries now have, you can email them. They have a computer. We don't have to wait for the letter. We can actually email them. Share with them. Say, hey, I'm from Fellowship Baptist Church. You know, I wanted to let you know that I'm praying for you. I may not know the circumstances that you're going through at the moment, but I just know that the Lord has put you on my heart to keep you in prayer, and I wanted to let you know that. Or even the idea that our church, and I know sometimes that the kids for Sunday school, their introduction, they go through missionary letters. And sometimes for VBS, we take and the focus on the monies that come in go to a specific missionary. And it may be mentioning to them, our church is in prayer for you. You came up this past week in prayer. We wanted to let you know. So it's not just a financial support. That idea of caring for somebody. And sometimes it may be difficult. I know of churches that have done what they call, um, I'm, yeah, now I'm drawing a total blank. When they do missions conference, there are churches that do missions conference every year where people will make a commitment that they're going to give so much towards missions financially. And I know that in the past, some people that have done that, that sometimes during the course of the year, something has happened that caused a financial difficulty for them. And even though they know they made a commitment, they're saying, okay, let's say I'm doing $10 a month for missions. And something has come up that's caused such a financial burden that even that $10 that would go towards missions that month begin to question, well, I've got such a burden. Do I continue with my missions or not? That's where the difficulties may come. Sometimes it's getting the money to them. Honestly, I look at missionaries because I know of a missionary in Ukraine. Uh, I have a friend that has knows somebody personally that's in Ukraine and what they're going through today with the war. You know, they're still able to keep in touch by thinking about that financial support or whatever that support that they've been given to that missionary and getting that to him and his family. How difficult that may be. It's the idea that they have it, but it's the opportunities. How do we get it to you now? We can't give up. Because even though we may not be going through a difficulty, that missionary may be. And we can't give them what they need. Or we're delayed in giving it to them. We need to remember these missionaries. You know, and where they're at. The countries that they are serving in. Where they're serving God. You know, I thought you know, we had one missionary that basically he traveled from church to church. 
on a motorcycle. And the motorcycle died. You know, and he, all his request was a motorcycle. Not, you know, something really fancy, big, expensive. Just, I think it was more so of a dirt bike. When you look at the roads and the conditions of the roads where he traveled, you know, it was more so a dirt bike is what he needed to be able to get from one place to another. And there were churches that helped to meet that need. You know, and that was a blessing to hear that. But to know that sometimes what our missionaries need and to be able to help meet that need, we need to care for them. That care comes with a desire, desire to support, a desire to do, a desire, the idea to meet the needs of an individual in whatever way that we can do it. We may not think that, okay, I can't give much, so to speak. But, you know, if this person gives a $10 or if this person gives $5 and if this person can give, you know, $8, that all adds up. And sometimes it's not just one church. But if different churches have the heart for missions, have a desire to make sure our missionary needs are met, that as churches pull it all together, it helps to care for that missionary and his family so that they can focus on the ministry, serving Jesus Christ. It's not only the idea of meeting the needs, and it's when we have that opportunity, that lack, that opportunity is not giving up. It's not stopping. Because that opportunity, you know, it, being careful, being watchful, be attentive in what the support needs are. So as we continue on here, as we continue on to in verse 10, but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished. I love that. Where you were also careful, you were watchful, you were waiting for the opportunity again to be able to serve, to be able to reach me because you couldn't do it, but now you can because you lacked that opportunity. But because you were watchful, you didn't give up. That need is now met. And in verse 11, it says, now, Not that I speak in, want, in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am to be content. This is something else I think we personally need to learn ourselves. And sometimes it's hard. You know, to whatever state we're in, to be content whatever the circumstances, to be content. And the idea that God will give us that peace that, he talked, that Paul talked about earlier, that in the situations, Paul even stated he had to learn it himself in whatever state he's in. Because he goes on, he says, there were times that I had needs and there were times my needs were met, but I still continued to serve God on the mission field wherever I was at, to do what he wanted me to do. We call, as we go on a little bit further here, he says in verse 12, I know both how to be abased and in all things... I, I skipped a line, didn't I? I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Every, and everywhere and in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Caring for the mission 
caring for those on the mission field, caring for those in the ministry. Part of what they learned is something that we need to learn, that we are going to have times where we're going to have plenty, and there are times where things are going to be running a little tight. But we need to learn to accept that for our lives. Serve God. And as we do what he's called us to do, caring for one another, caring for our missionaries, he will meet our needs. He will give us the peace. As we go on a little bit further here, not only caring for our missionaries, something else that we need to think about too is that idea that um, we need to communicate with them. I touched upon this earlier. You know, it's not just enough to, okay, I'm going to put $10 a month in the offering plate for the missions. I've done my bit. <laughs> not really. Prayer is more important. Communicating with them is more important. We find here that in verse 14, it says, notwithstanding you have well done that you did communicate with my affliction. Now, as the Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but you only. Think about that. That kind of hit me in the gut, so to speak, that when Paul wrote to Philippi that no one, no church communicated with me except you. What happened to all the other churches that have started? that Paul went from church to church, city to city, preaching the gospel. Philippi at this time was the only church. It is important that we communicate, that we talk with our missionaries. We show support. We listen. Because sometimes, you know, they may be the only ones on the field where they're at. They don't have another pastor to go to or another Christian because maybe they are it as far as the one that has that, that knowledge and that ability because everybody else is very young in the Lord or they may be on a field that is so new, there's nobody else that's saved. They need to hear from us. We can't forget them. And there are some people in some of the countries that they are serving in are desolate when it comes to Christianity. Desolate when it comes to preaching the gospel. And they need to hear from us. We need to be able to communicate. Thankfully, a lot of places have email. I mean, we can do email today. You know, and sometimes we can even do video conference, and that's great. But there are other places that don't have that option. When an old-fashioned letter is what's going to have to be, you know, write it out. You know, if you have poor penmanship, write very slowly. <laughs> and maybe have your spouse look at it to make sure, can you understand what I'm saying? Does it make sense? Can you read it? <laughs> you know, write slowly and clearly. But send them a letter. And it's going to cost a little bit more with postage, but it will get to them. So they need to hear from us. They need to know that we are praying for them in whatever capacity that may be. We see here, he says, you did well. You did communicate 
my affliction. So we knew of Paul's affliction. They knew of Paul's affliction. What was it? If we go back and we look at Philippians in this book, remember, Paul was in bonds. He was in jail for preaching the gospel. That was his affliction. He was restricted from what he could do. So the church had to reach out to him because really, other than sending letters, he couldn't get there. He couldn't be with them. He was under affliction. He was under bondage. And they knew that. And you find that as they, he says, you did communicate with me with that. And he says, no, and in verse 15, he says, now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me concerning giving and receiving. They knew what they needed to do to communicate. They knew too that they were still learning. So part of that idea, that communication concerning giving and receiving. So they kind of knew somewhat about that, but I think part of the writing was Paul just to clarify about giving and receiving. Because one of the things you will find too, it is more blessed to give than to receive, is what we find. We need to make sure we have a given heart. That as we do what God has called us to do, it is with a given heart. Sometimes a sacrificial heart, giving it to the Lord, helping the ministry to be furthered, the gospel to be furthered. Because there are countries, there are places that so much need to hear the gospel. And you know, we even have that here in Maine. There are towns, there are villages, there are areas where they have to travel a distance to get into a church that actually preaches the gospel. And I think if we actually take a look, kind of mentioned this in Sunday school a little bit, but you look at all the towns where everybody comes from in this church. We're not all living in the city of Augusta. We all, most of us live in surrounding communities. And a lot of those surrounding communities don't have a church that preaches the gospel. We drive in here so we can hear the word of God, so that we can be part of the fellowship, where we can serve the living God. Here, caring for our missionaries, communicating with our missionaries, seeing what their needs are, what their afflictions may be, but also trying to support and to do what we can to meet their needs. It is so important for encouragement. I honestly believe when Paul penned that word that no church communicated unto me except you. That was encouragement to him. Stop to think about it. You know, we look at Paul wrote most of the New Testament. Many of these letters were written by Paul. And we're thinking, okay, you know, here is this guy that served God, didn't quit, did traveled from city to city. Many times he was stoned. He had to escape riots because of his preaching. He was put into prison. He was put into jail for preaching the word of God. He didn't do anything wrong other than preach the word of God. And we're thinking, what strength, you know, what stamina he had. He still needed encouragement. Our missionaries need encouragement. 
our pastor and their family need encouragement. You know? We need to do that for them. To be supportive of them. To communicate, talk with them. Have fellowship as much as we can with them. Don't drive them crazy with too much fellowship, you know, because it's not like we're to go to the house and stay there until midnight. I think they're kind of like, okay, you need to go home now. (laughs) But we need to be able to communicate with them. Along with communicating with them, as we go on into verse 15, you see the word concern. As we, as individuals, find that we are having a care for the mission field, we have an interest and a desire to meet their needs. And we begin to talk with them, find out what those needs actually are, support them, whether it's financially, whether it's in prayer, whether it's words of encouragement, fellowship. We will find that that concern for them will grow. Just like we here in our church. Because our church is a family. And as a family, as we get to know one another, whether it's putting an arm around somebody and not even saying a word, but just giving them an old-fashioned hug. If that's what it is for encouragement, and that's what does it, that's our job. That's our role. That's part of being a family. And we need to do that with our missionaries as well. Be able to reach out, to be concerned, know what their needs are. Start having a way so that we can look into the situation and know what their needs are. And even as we talk with them, they may not share with us what the problem is, but just behind that communication, and maybe as we get to know them, we can tell that there's something different, something wrong, something's weighing on their heart. We should be like that too here within the church. If something is weighing on an individual's heart, we need to pick up on that and do what we can. I think sometimes as a church, I see this to me as a society, which is one of our downfalls. We are so busy doing so much that the focus is on ourselves or maybe on what we can do to gain a better lifestyle, so much so that we're forgetting those that are around us, even sometimes forgetting our family and not seeing that there is a need. We need to be there for that need. We need to be concerned for one another. We need to be concerned for our missionaries. Because honestly, if you look and you'll see that there are missionaries that are coming off, more coming off the field than there are going on the field. And part of that is that lack of support, that lack of encouragement that they need. You've got to remember that sometimes when you go to another country, you know, and I know that we have people today that can attest to that, there are different customs, different cultures. Think about when somebody comes into our country. I look at the ideas. Think of somebody that just comes, like, say, from, you know, Ohio to Maine. It could be a culture shock for them. (laughs) Maine can be a culture shock. But we have to be there for help to support them. And sometimes 
being in another country. Yes, they may have been mentally prepared to some extent, but maybe they weren't mentally prepared for everything that they're dealing with. That's why we need to be there for them. Be encouragement. Have a concern for them. And he says here, he says, for even in Thessalonica, this is in verse 16, sent once and again unto my necessity. So you see that they didn't just send a one-time gift or one-time need for Paul. They did it multiple times. They reached out. They did it as often as they could to help meet Paul's needs. And he says, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. So one of the things that we find here is he looked at it and is getting encouragement, not because they sent him a need, but he sees their growth and their faith because they are doing what they learned. They are doing what they've been taught. They are supporting those missionaries, supporting those that are in need. They are actively doing what God has placed on their hearts to do and not ignoring it. We as a church have to be careful that we are doing what God has called us to do and that we don't ignore what God has told us to do. That's when it becomes dangerous. That's when it becomes an idea that we could fall, that we could fail in our service to God. He says here, he says, again, he reiterates, he says, verse 17 and into 18, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Aphrodite the things which were sent from you, an odor of sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. But my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. So the opportunity actually took somebody from the church of Philippi to travel and see Paul in order to give the gift. Sometimes it may be a sacrifice on our part for an individual. You know, I can't help but think of the love that the family, a church family has. When I look back to when, years ago, when I had, and I was in New York at the time, and when I had my grand mal seizure. And when I had my grand mal seizures, many of you may recall, some of you may not know, the seizure was of such extent that I did a bilateral posterior dislocation of both my shoulders. I broke the bones back here. You know, on both of my shoulders, the seizure was that strong. And so I was hospitalized. Can't tell you how long I was. I just know I was very dehydrated too. The IV had to be through my feet for fluids. You know, I don't like people touching my toes or anything like that. But I was not that conscious when they put the IV in anyways. But I was in a sling with both arms like this. When I look at a sacrifice, I look at the idea and I think back, Troy's not here, so I can talk about Troy. The car we had at the time, when I was being discharged from the hospital, I really couldn't sit in the car and close the door. If I closed the door, I leaned into the driver's seat like this. It's like an eight, eight and a half hour drive to Maine from where I was at. Troy took time, drove to Syracuse, New York, 
pick me up and to drive me back home. That's an example of somebody sacrificing their time and their efforts to help meet the needs of someone. You know, I haven't had a seizure since then. It was just that one time. And they just talk it up to, I was very dehydrated during that, my vacation period. But what I saw is somebody reaching out to me, helping my family. But I also saw and heard of people keeping us in prayer, of this church keeping us in prayer. For those that maybe wanted to drive, you know, maybe it was an excuse to get away from work, I don't know. <laughs> but they wanted to come, but Troy came and did that, and other people prayed for us, prayed for me. That's an example of a church that is doing what God has called them to do. It's that communicating, it's that reaching out to them, it's caring, it's having that desire to meet the needs of an individual. But I'd like to take this moment to just briefly go back one moment to 2 Corinthians. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, starting actually in verse 7, Paul is writing to the church of Corinth here. And he says in verse 7 of 2 Corinthians 11, he says, have I committed an offense in a basin myself that ye might be exalted? Because I have preached to you the gospel of God freely. I robbed other churches, taking wages of them to do you service. And when I was present with you and wanted, I was chargeable to no man for that which was lacking to me. The brethren which came from Macedonia supplied, and in all things I have kept myself from being burdensome unto you, and so will I keep myself. Here is an example of a church unwilling to do what God has called them to do, to meet the needs of a missionary. What you find is even the church of Philippi helped Paul when he was at the church of Corinth. Because the church of Corinth was unwilling to help, unwilling to do, provide support. Here, Paul lays it right out for them. He says, I have robbed other churches, taken wages of them to do you service. You know, I would not want to be the church for the past 2,000 years to have that as an example of what I was like as a church. You know, we need to remember what God has called us to do as a church, the responsibilities that God has given to us individually, but also as a church family. The Corinthian church was not willing to be supportive. And because of that, the needs of Paul were met by somebody else. But you also find that if you were to do a study for Paul, he also was a tent maker. So sometimes when churches could not provide what was needed, he sometimes labored himself. 
He made tents, sold tents, did repair of tents, so that he himself could have a meal or a place to sleep because sometimes a church couldn't do it. But he did that himself. And that is fine. There are pastors that sometimes need to take on a part-time job because maybe they're in a remote area that the finances of the church just don't quite meet the needs. But it's one thing to say that the church has, you know, has the opportunity to meet the needs but refuses to versus it's another thing the church wants to but lacks the opportunity. Very different. We need to remember to support our missionaries, support our pastor. You know, they are worthy of double honor for those that are serving God. And what that means is we need to give them the honor that they deserve in the ministry that they are in. Here we see the Philippians providing the support. They learned as Paul taught them what they should be doing, where their mind and their thought process should be. You know, when we go back to thinking about these, when he says, think on these things, you know, back in Philippians chapter uh, 4 and verse 8, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, lovely, good report, any virtue, any praise, think on these things. That is the first step at our service in supporting our missionaries and our pastor. We ourselves need to make sure we're in line with God first. And as we find that we're in line with God and we're thinking about these things, he will give us a peace. He will give us an understanding. He will give us the ability to do what he lays on our heart to do, what he calls us to do, and whatever service that may be. I look at the idea that being up here today, to me, in a sense, is an honor. When I first got saved, I can tell you for those, I was like, yeah, like that's never going to happen. I'm not going to be up there. God has a strange way of working things out, <laughs> has a strange way of giving you what he wants you to do. You know, I look back that when I first got saved, I was living in New York. You know, when I lived in New York, I was in the Air Force. You know, what I said too is when I got saved there, and one of the things that I always said is, I left Maine for a reason. I wanted to travel. I wanted to see the world. I never wanted to move back to Maine because there was nothing there. That was my attitude at that time. And you know what God did? He took me from China, Maine to Rome, New York. So I went from China to Rome. It wasn't the Rome I was thinking of, you know. <laughs> you know, and now I live in Sydney, Sydney, Maine. You know, not the Sydney I was thinking of. When I joined the Air Force, I spent my entire career in the Air Force upstate New York. And you know, when you go back there today, you know, it's more remote there today than it is here in Maine. At least we have a Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> so when we stop to think about where God, how he works in our hearts, how he changes things with us, gives us a different path to take as we serve him. 
He will sometimes have us travel a road we never thought we would travel. But if we do what he wants, he will give us that peace. He'll help us to remember our missionaries. We have at home, uh, like a bulletin board in the kitchen. It's right by the door. That bulletin board has the missions cards for the missionaries we support. It's a way that, because when I, if I want to go to the refrigerator, I have to walk by that board, okay, just to let you know. And so it helps me to remember the missionaries and to keep them in prayer. Because the board is small enough so it doesn't hold all the missionaries. And I have to remember I have the cards set aside. And every so often I swap them out so I can remember to keep them in prayer. What I feel like that I lack in is my communication with them. This is my conviction that I need to be able to reach out to them. Not just a one-way street of just reading their letter to see what their needs are. But I should be writing to them if I can talking with them to see what their needs are at that moment ever before receiving a letter. That's my conviction of something that I need to do. So as we look at being caring for all missionaries, being concerned, talking with them, I need to be able to do those things. We need to be able to do those things for our missionaries so that we can encourage them. Don't be like the church of Corinth, where Paul basically called them out on the carpet for basically not supporting the missionary or him. That he, in order for his needs to be met there, somebody else had to provide. But it also tells me, even though he doesn't specifically say it in what we wrote, the church of Corinth had the opportunity. They could meet his needs. They chose not to. It's something for us to learn that if we have the opportunity, we should take the opportunity that God has laid out before us to serve him, to do. Because as we do what God has called us to do, that strength that power, that confidence that God gives, we will experience ourselves. You know, sometimes I can remember uh, even, you know, I shared this once before, when I first moved back, when I did first move back to Maine, when I first moved back, I moved in with my parents. That was a hard thing. (laughs) Sometimes, you know, especially a little prideful thing, humbling, you know, when you been away like eight years from Maine and then all of a sudden you're living with mom and dad again. It's a hard thing. But you know, and when I drove back to Maine, at that time I lived in Wisconsin. And when I was in Wisconsin, I had a little four-cylinder vehicle. But the car didn't run on four cylinders. I drove from Wisconsin, you know, by Milwaukee, through Chicago, <laughs> on three cylinders. And I came here, and I had my job here. And while I was here, I struggled financially because of so many things that happened in Wisconsin. And that was part of my moving back to Maine. That was God's way of saying, okay, it's time for you to move. 
I have another place I want you to be. And he did it by removing my finances. But he also did it by having me trust him much more than what I had been. And in that process of running on three cylinders, it really burned oil in that car. I was like a mosquito fogger, you know, what came out the back. That's all I can think of. You know, it's a mosquito fogger. I carried a case of oil because I needed a case of oil to keep that thing going. You know, and I couldn't afford anything for the longest time. I can remember living in China, driving into Augusta, Route 3. There's some hills, right? Do you know what it's like to have the gas pedal to the floor and you're doing 25 miles an hour? <laughs> and everybody's going, blowing their horns, going by you, and you've got all this fog coming out. You know, and you just... <laughs> and in the wintertime, they decided that it was not going to generate any heat for me. So I had a scraper for inside. So I was like, coming to church, scraping the windows because it's cold. You know, and I was like, it was really great to be in church because it was warm. But I did that for the longest time until I had the ability to get something new. But before that happened, I was under conviction about my offering, my tithes and offering. Because I knew I was doing it before. That I was always given my tithe when I needed to give my tithe. And I know what God laid on my heart. Well, when I moved back to Maine, I withheld some of that. And then under the preaching of the word, I said, I need to get back to do what God has called me to do. And I was like, but every penny was accounted for. That's why I was living with my parents rent-free, because I couldn't even afford rent. But you know, God, when I started to tithe what he told me to tithe, that case of oil for that car, I didn't have to buy anymore. For some reason, it wasn't leaking oil anymore. It was still doing 25 miles an hour up a hill, but at least I wasn't spending money on oil. And then God blessed and seeing my finances turn around where I was able to get another vehicle that I knew would be more reliable and provided heat for me to come to church. But I did what God called me to do. And I took a deep breath when I did it because I'm like, but I have this, this, and this. And you know, I've even heard Pastor Rob say, from what he did when he did a job working for an ambulance company and for what he got paid there versus what we pay him here, it was a cut in pay. But you know, it's God's finances. God provided for them. He says, we have been able to pay things off. We've been able to pay on things that we didn't do before. And it's the way God finances work. God has a way of meeting our needs. God has a way that he will meet our needs as we meet the needs of others. Whether it's our pastor, whether it's our missionaries. For both of them, we need to care for them. We need to communicate with them. We need to be concerned for them. And as we are concerned for them and as we serve them and do what God has told us to do, which, to me, we go back into the book of 
I want to make sure I got this right. Let's go back to the book of Acts, chapter 20. And in Acts chapter 20, verses 33. In verse 33, here is Paul, he says, I have coveted no man's silver or gold or apparel. Yea, yourselves know that these hands have ministered unto my necessities, and to them that were with me. I have showed you all things how that so laboring you ought to support the weak, to remember the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, how he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had thus spoken, he kneeled down and prayed with them all. And they all wept sore and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him, sorrowing most of all for the words which he spake, that they should see his face no more. And they accompanied him unto the ship. So, here is that example, in the sense that Paul was leaving the church to go on the mission field. And they felt that they wouldn't probably see him again. But they knelt down and they prayed with him. They saw him off in order to serve God. As God works in our lives, and as we have maybe people within this church that get called onto a mission field, we need to support them. We need to see them off, just as Paul was seen off here, in prayer and in tears. Tears of joy because they are doing what God calls them to do. And we need to do what God calls us to do. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for this day this time that we have in your word. And we ask, Lord, for your strength to be upon us, that you would help us to really, truly see what the calling is for us, what we are to do for you, for our missionaries, for our pastor, how we are to serve them, how we are to uplift them and keep them in our prayer, how we are to meet their needs, but not only with them, but also with one another as a church family. We would ask this, Lord, that you would continue to work in our hearts to truly have that discernment, that desire to see what you've called us to do and to actually do it. We ask this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.